0: Welcome to machine learning. One of the areas that AI is starting to take uh, uh, notice is in the area of unmanned cargo ships. So many thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not millions, of cargo ships are moving across the ocean. Unmanned cargo ships will navigate the oceans. This unmanned cargo ship will combine the technology of unmanned drones to control the ship so you could have a captain sitting in a remote area through transmitting signals to the ship by satellite and controlling the ship from a remote site or the Eventually, the unmanned cargo ships will become so reliable that they will make the decisions, uh, keep the peak o- operational efficiencies of the ship running, uh, deal with various types of weather and be trained in, d- in different scenarios and uh, running the ship. Now what would be the advantage of that? Less labor, better decision making, more analysis of the information that's being fed in real time to the uh, neural net, and uh, higher adaptability. So it's taking all the new data and it's adapting its behaviors based on the new data. I'll give you an example like the genetic algorithms called evolution that are used to run a simulation on flappy birds. So originally it um, figures out the up, the tap button sequences so it can fly through the cylinders. And after several thousand iterations of training is able to successfully navigate through all cylinders um, in the in the flappy birds game. And so with that capability it uh, it learns how to do micro taps and successive taps and it learns that behavior of one tap versus maybe two taps versus three very rapid taps and what um, results from that. Now the same thing could be applied to unmanned cargo ships where the um, AI system learns how to aj- um, make small adjustments in the navigation path and directions and weather, based on weather conditions and um, performance of the ship to arrive at its destination at a more efficient route. So in that learning algorithm, just like in Flappy Birds, you're gonna see percentages gained by navigating by the AI. So not only lo- lowering the cost of the AI system, or cost of labor you are also making for very efficient navigation based on a continuous stream of data so no captain would sit and watch a continuous straight stream of data and make small adjustments um, He make but they may make course adjustments occasionally but not on a you may be on a Every second basis, you know that would be very inefficient, and so there had to be there'd have to be some learning. Maybe if you're doing micro adjustments all the time, that uh, it can have a negative effect. You know, maybe it's going to have a higher cost effect. So it's got to weigh out cost against uh, other other considerations to get its performance to where it wants to be. All right. So the other area is LSTMs versus convolution neural nets. So convolution um, has a kernel, and the kernel has a certain size. So it's usually looking, let's say, a two by two, So two wide, two down, and it kind of moves over the image like you would a window, one pixel at a time. And the convolution then feeds layer, is feeding its output into another layer. So you have these multiple layers that are um, receiving input. But it has the effect of generalizing pixel points around it. And so it it, uh, gets a better sampling, and uh, that sampling is what makes the convolution work. So the question then is, you know, we have 1D convolution nets, you have 2D convolution nets. Do you then uh, make a 3D convolution net where it's it's pulling uh, lots of generalized data about the image? Uh, as it is relating to associating to pixels around a particular pixel. And so you're getting lots of information by convoluting and then each one of those convolution layers are pulling out different attributes. For example, it might be uh, edges and then there might be another layer that's pulling out color tones and maybe a final layer That's identifying a dense layer that's identifying a particular person with the features that are in the image so it's identifying a name to the the image that it sees so in some ways I would say the convolution network is a lot like the LSTM where it has the sliding window and it's looking at um, the influence of data that's around it. Now that's much like the way the attention network works. With an LSTM network, is it's looking at its influence on other words, and then it weighs those out. Um, so as it, it, weigh, it weighs out that, uh, as it weighs out that network, uh, then it can. It can use, it can do predictions on what is the most probable sentence, word, next word, as it attempts to generate a sentence based on the previous words that it's generated. And it really makes you wonder if the brain works that way. So you read a book. And then you, someone asks you what the book's about. Well, if you just tell them at a very low level what the book is, you're, you're basically kind of regurgitating it. So if you have a really good memory, you can, you can recite different paragraphs of the book. But then when someone asks you, what does this mean? Well, then you're going to have to expand upon what is being said. You're going to have to draw an idea, You're going to have to support conclusion. You have to do reasoning. Um, You have to recall critical characters, their interactions between the characters. And there's also emotion because you don't read a a book just for facts, but a lot of times you're reading for entertainment. So there's, there's there's humor, there's things that are going to be funny things that are going to be sad, things that are going to make you happy, things that are romantic, things that are tragedy, things that are scary. And those emotions are drawn from the words, because words are, are basically empty. Well, so if a neural net learns how to think about what it's reading, that is truly an amazing feat. If it could not only just read it, but it could actually understand um, these emotional responses when it reads things like, wow, that made me feel happy or that was really scary or, or that makes me feel angry. It shouldn't be that way. So they'd have to have a sense of justice and ethics and morals. So you're throwing all these philosophical ideas that we as human beings understand. We can understand those, those abstracts and we think about what that means. And, uh, and how that influences our behavior and how that even may influence which line of thought that we continue to support. And so if you look at the, the influence of religion or politics on our political thought, we have a very divided camp. We don't usually jump from Republican to Democrat or Libertarian. We don't usually jump from our religion to another religion. Because we have these set belief systems and patterns that we feel comfortable with. And see, that, that level of comfort is what makes us human. Because we cannot know everything. And even if we were to know all the information in the world, we would have to be processing all that information. And then what would that mean? You know, would that mean that we have become assimilated by the machine? That we now have billions, if not trillions of tasks to, to understand and to assimilate. And maybe we do that. Maybe we do that. Or maybe that we, we have time and we digest a little bit and we find out what we're interested in. And we follow kind of an ant algorithm Where we're looking for food we're trying to survive we're trying to stay happy we're trying to stay fed etc and uh, that creates kind of a very um basic instinct and then there's the other side too is that you know we're spiritual beings having an earthly experience so we want to follow what god wants us for us in our life and so you know that we've yield our will to him well I think that's about all I want to talk about today but uh, yeah the unmanned cargo ships are going to be the future